Good morning, afternoon, evening. If you're an insomniac and listening to this at two in the morning, it's all right, man. We'll we'll get through this. I have those nights too. I hope you get a good night's sleep. But wherever you are, welcome to the Lighthouse Stories podcast. I am Grant. This is Patrick. Hello. What's going on, Pat? Not much. Tonight is the kickoff for the new fall season here at Lighthouse. We yes. are actually barbecuing on the wood chips. And there's a bounce house involved. Mm -hmm. Are you going in the bounce house? No, I'll probably not go in the bounce house. I have a tendency to tip those things over. Is that right? Oh, yeah. We definitely got a bounce house at my uh, in-laws or my brother's in-laws and saw how far we could roll it down the hill with Mm. all of us in it. Okay. That's excellent. Well, that sounds like a good time. It was their bounce house. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, Hillby's a big hill. We could probably roll (laughs) that thing a country mile, end up in the ocean, end up at Laguna Grande Park. Pretty much. Uh, Okay. So (laughs) then next week in group start, seriously, we'll have uh, San Bonancio on Thursdays and PG on Tuesdays and right here at church on Wednesdays and Awana and adults and music and the whole thing. And... And uh, that's how people grow, and I'm looking forward to getting going. Yep. It's a sweet church family. Invite somebody you know. Um, Okay, so today is uh, Susan Andante is our guest on the podcast. And what a story. You know, I Mm -hmm. mean, I say this all the time, and I mean it every time, that when somebody tells you their story, somebody's honest with you about anything, it's just a gift. You know, yeah. it's grace. Like the Bible says, impart grace to everyone who hears you speak. And when somebody tells you their honest heart, like what a gift, yeah. like they're trusting you with that, you know? And um, this one really stands out. We've recorded 16, something like that. Are we that high? I think we're, yeah, 15, 16. 15, 16. This one stands out as just the one where you just, where I just felt like what? an exceptionally tender gift this story is. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we've had a lot of stories where there's some wounds, these wounds, some of Susan's wounds are relatively fresh. You know, this is something she's, and just to, to honestly um, be able to, to talk about feeling really depressed and, and having real physical problems and, and trusting Mm -hmm. God in such an honest way. I love at some point she said something like, um, you know, just like when she was in a really hard time, just sending somebody would just send a Bible verse, you know, and mm-hmm. and that wasn't always super helpful. And I go, man, I have totally done that yeah. <laughs> because I don't know what to do all the time. And yep. and um, but just she has so much grace. Yeah. And and strength. And um, it was overwhelming to to be given the kind of gift of this conversation. Yeah. Uh, and I look forward to having her in again and, you know, kind of, I feel like we got through the, the difficulty in the conversation. I would love to hear more about the, what happens after, you yeah. know? And, um, but all of that to say, I think you're all really going to enjoy this and be blessed by it. And, um, and so, um, here we are, Susan and Don, on Dante, uh, one of the, you know, not only special people here at, at Lighthouse, but like serves in the nursery like all the time. Yeah. <laughs> there is there are crowns and thrones and <laughs> and candy in heaven for for people like Susan and so uh, get to know her. She's rad. Uh all right. Here we go. Lighthouse stories uh Patrick. Yep. Roll the music. Love you. All right, so today we are here with the dear friend of Lighthouse, Susan Andante. Susan, how are you? I am doing great, thank you. Susan, you showed up at Lighthouse uh, kind of around the same time I did and have jumped right in. I don't. You've probably been in the nursery more Sundays than you've been <laughs> in church, for sure. You've spent so much time caring for our little ones, and that's, that's something that just kind of comes naturally to you, and... Absolutely. I love working with kids. And that is an amazing gift. Many people here will hear you say that and go, man, better her than me, right? But, <laughs> but it's, a real, uh, it's a real 
piece of your heart. Well, we would love to hear your story today. And so tell us, where's your story start? Where'd you, where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Well, I was born, I was born in Monterey and I was born on Christmas. I almost died when I was three days old. Um, they figured out that I had a twisted colon and so I was starving to death. So oh. I had surgery and that meant that my siblings spoiled me to death. Okay, so where are you in the sibling? I am the youngest. Of how many? <laughs> of five, born on Christmas Day. Yeah, so, there's a lot know? of special things. The youngest <laughs> of five, born on Christmas Day, and then got off to a little bit of a rough start. Right, right. So, yep, I've always been taken well care of, even in my adult life, by my big sisters. Is that right? That's nice <laughs> to have some big sisters and brothers, to and so too. so a few sisters and a brother i have two brothers but one one has passed away okay and where were you were you here in monterey i was yep i was here in monterey and i was here till i went off to college so you went to monterey high school i did go to monterey high school for the first two years uh-huh and then my last year, I went to Valley Christian Academy out in Prunedale. It was a school that was just starting up. Yeah. And there were only five seniors. All right. And it was very fun. That sounds like a good time. Small Christian schools, man. We're all for that. Um, so what was life like growing up here in Monterey? You've been here a little while. Yes. Well. Was it a fun growing up? It was a fun growing up. I mean, I um, was a tomboy. Okay. So I could go bike riding along the coast and um, play baseball across the street and play tennis with my friends. My parents took us to church to every service. And, uh, <laughs> if the door was open, you were the, in the church. <laughs> that's right. And I remember Sunday nights after going out to the valley for a picnic, usually after church, we had all of us laying in the back row, sleeping. <laughs> it was the balcony when I was a kid. Me and my best friend up in the balcony. Like, we would just be in knuckleheads, like, changing the words to the worship songs. Especially Sunday night church, where, like, I always remember Sunday night church, like, the pastor didn't have a tie. And it just felt a little more. We all went out for, like, yogurt after or something. Um, so there you are, laying in the back row. Yep. Just being kids. Sleeping, sleeping. Sle- we were exhausted from playing in the river. <laughs> was it, what church did you grow up at around First here? Baptist Church of Seaside. Oh, is that right? Okay, very good. And um, and then out to Carmel Valley for picnics? Yep. Out on Ford Road? That. Um, it was in the village. Yeah? yeah By yeah. the library right there? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's where we went. Yeah, that's where we always had... <laughs> Picnics at Sanctuary, too. Same place. That must be the official church picnic park. <laughs> it's a beautiful place. <laughs> so that's fun. So did, were, did you live here in Seaside? I did. I lived, wow. I, I lived in the same house that I live in right oh, now. Oh, is that right? You grew yes. up in that house? Yes. That's so cool. So did you have friends? That, like, that's very near, like, Friendship Baptist Church? Or is that the church that's right, right there? Right across the street. Yeah. You know what? When I was young... That was a different church, and that's okay. where um, my family went. Okay. I, I, my mom went, used to sing solos, and we have a recording of me crying in the background oh. <laughs> at that church. Across the street. I'm starting to get a pretty fun picture here. Tomboy, either sleeping or crying in church. Yeah, I think you and I would have got along just fine. That's, that sounds like fun. So did you grow up enjoying sports, it sounds like? Oh, absolutely. I did, you know, until... Um, I got to high school. Once I got to high school, then I really wasn't involved in school sports. I just felt so intimidated going to uh, this big, huge school. When I was in junior high, um, I was a very good friend of the PE teacher, and I was just involved in everything. Yeah. So once I went to high school, you know, then it was mainly bike riding, playing tennis, things with my friends. You know, I, I played tennis in high school. I did, yeah. Yeah, that's a great sport. I go, I take the kids out now and I just, it's embarrassing. I'm a mere shadow of my former glory. <laughs> Do you still hit the ball around a little? I don't. The last time I played tennis was when I went on my honeymoon with my present husband. Okay. And you know how guys can be, ha ha ha. No, yeah. I don't know anything no, about, that. about that. Well, <laughs> we were playing a game and he was doing that and I was so angry at him but he has poor eyesight so he didn't see my expression so after the game 
he said, do you want to play more? Yeah. And he realized real soon what he, he had did, done. He did not want <laughs> so to So that's a more. joke we always laugh about now. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, so I married a superior athlete to myself. Tiffany is a, just a fantastic athlete. And, um, but tennis is not her game. And we've probably played five or ten times in our entire marriage. <laughs> And I can't get her to understand that it's not good to hit the ball over the fence, right? Like she hits the ball over the fence and goes, ha ha. And that's when I go, no, no, come on. Now we got to go get that ball. But she, she, I've had a hard time having her take tennis as seriously as, as I took it. That's fun. But it is a fun sport to, to play your whole life and get out and hit the ball around. I'll we'll have to have a church tennis league at some point or something there's a, there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of good courts around here the wheeler street's got courts and i used to play on that did you and then there's the tennis club right up uh kimball yeah i've always thought yeah that'd, that'd be something fun to do anyway all right so you grew up loving sports stayed riding bikes and playing tennis and being active through high school is that where some of your friends came from in high school did is that who you kind of hung out with was no i hung out with uh, a friend from you know I didn't have a lot of friends I just had a few friends when I was in junior high and high school I hung out with all the smart kids hoping that you know I would kind of be able to glean from them (laughs) and in high school I my best friend and really the only one I hung out with mostly um, was a girl that I took to Christian camp with me and Mm -hmm. she got saved cool and so we were very close friends. She lived about six blocks away. Mm. And so that's really who I hung out with. That's that's awesome. What camp was that? Camp Hammer. Oh, Camp Hammer. Let's hear it for Camp Hammer. <laughs> All right. Up in the beautiful Santa Cruz Mountains. Yep. Big basin-ish. Well, that's fun. Um, I was asking because I First Baptist Seaside, I think used to be a, I don't know if it still is, but a conservative baptist church and so i know they go to silver spur we like, did for for the winter that was oh, where you we go went to silver spur yeah that's funny you know i've spoken at silver spur a, bit, a million times and have mm-hmm. taken kids there and it's fun to hear all those stories of you know the, it's been a good place for a long time yep it has that's cool so what were you like in high school what did you do for fun what um i really as far as going to school in high school, I was like a flower on the wall, very yeah, quiet. Okay. I felt very intimidated. Um, most of the people there weren't Christians. There was yep. no Christian club or anything, so I had no connections. Mm. And I just felt really kind of in- intimidated, yeah. lonely. Yeah. That's why I ended up going to that Christian school, because um, I really would wanted a change. Just a better fit? Mm-hmm. And so then you're driving out to Prunedale to Valley Christian? Valley Christian Academy. Yeah. Um, actually, what happened was my brother and his family lived in Marina. Mm-hmm. And so I moved in with them so okay. that I could um, go to school with the pastor's son. All and, right. Uh, their family would drive me. Well, that's very cool. And uh, so what how, What was different there? Like, how, what was the difference? Was it immediate like, wow, this is very different than a big public school, being in a small Christian school. It was really, really easy academically, okay. which was great. <laughs> Let's hear it for that, yeah. <laughs> because academics was not my strong point. I knew how to get good grades without learning anything, All right. <laughs> which yeah. was a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I could memorize things and then the next day forget it all. Yeah. So it was it was easy, but, you know, the, the kids were really nice. The teachers loved us um, and... The sports was fun. You know, once again, I didn't feel intimidated anymore, so I could beat everybody in running. You know, it was uh-huh. very fun. Yeah. <laughs> five five uh, seniors. Not easy to, <laughs> not hard to do. But... Um, it was a good time. Yeah, it was, it was very fun. I actually only went there for half of a year because um, the requirements weren't that hard at that time. Mm. And so I could graduate early. Hmm. And so I went and worked at Holman's, um, the top, of re- they had a restaurant up there. Okay. And I worked there so that I could save uh, money to go to college. All right. So you spent like the spring of your senior year of high school just working and saving money. And, and then where'd you go off to school? I went to Lynchburg Baptist for two years. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. The, in Virginia? Correct. That. In, and, that and turned, into, turned into Liberty. Liberty. <laughs> a, little, yeah. a little bitty school. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit the biggest Christian school in the world, I think, at this yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Well, when I went, it wasn't really nice. The facilities weren't great like they are now. We lived in an old hotel yeah. full of cockroaches. Yeah, I've seen pictures of that. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, this is the very beginnings of that it was. college. Wow. So, I mean, that's, that's downright historical. So, you're, I mean, how many kids were enrolled at Lynchburg at the time? A whole lot. Oh, were there know. a lot of people? There were. Yeah, okay. there were. There were a whole lot of, of students. They had... Um, there were there had they had three locations for the classes, so you were bussed all day long. Yeah, okay. You know, because there were there were a lot of students, uh-huh. and so they didn't really have the facilities back then. And what'd you study? Well, I started out as a youth major, and then I um, changed my major to PE, and then. I was taking a biology class, and I couldn't see in the microscope. This is how bad of a student I was. Instead of going and talking to the professor, (laughs) I decided to change my major (laughs) to something I could see. So then I became a psychology major. (laughs) All right, good. And that's what you finished up as a psychology major? Yeah, I transferred to Christian Heritage, and um, their major was called Biblical biblical counseling so that's well, what I ended up with how cool did you that's I've been thinking a lot lately about specifically girls being theologically trained you'd say that was a really enriching thing for you going to Bible school and getting that Christian perspective yes it was it was very helpful it really was and I mean just to be around all these Christians it was yep. um, very supportive and uh you know, gave me a good start in life. Did you have good relationships with the professors? I did. I did. In fact, I had uh, statistics, a nightmare of a class. Yeah. I was really good friends with that guy. I used to go every day after school and say, I have no idea what you're saying. Could you please help me? <laughs> please, everything you said, just say it again, but slower. <laughs> I had classes like that, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Statistics is one of those classes, too, that at the beginning, you're like, this is easy. And then you get into actually crunching research numbers. You go, oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is incredibly difficult. Yeah. Okay, so what got you back to California? How long did that take? Was it right after school? or? Well, when I um, finished my second year at uh, Liberty, or Lynchburg, mm-hmm. I went and worked at a camp in New York. It was a, a horse ranch, hmm. and I worked there as a counselor. And then on my way home, because I at that point I thought, you know what, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, yeah. I don't want to go to school anymore. I, yep. I need to figure out life. But I decided to stop by Christian Heritage, where my girlfriend who'd gotten saved at camp mm-hmm. was going. So I went there, and I loved it. So that's why I decided to go there. Besides I, that, they had a um, huge pool. Nice sun. I don't know where that is. Where is that? Um, El Cajon. Right near San Diego. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the move from Virginia to San Diego, which, uh, no disrespect to Virginia, but San Diego is a a step up from just about anywhere in the world. And uh, to Christian Heritage, where your buddy from back home was studying. Um, So kind of a parallel there. Had like the big public school experience to the small Christian high school experience and then Lynchburg to Christian heritage jump in the middle as well. Well, that's cool. And did you, uh, when you were in college, did you think, well, with this psychology major, I'm going to do research or be a clinical psychologist or did you have stuff or direction you were headed? I knew I would have to get a master's degree. I thought I was going to be another, um, Bart, what's I can't remember Tim LaHaye's wife. She would go all over oh, and I don't speak, know and I thought, oh yes, I want to be like her. Okay, yeah. <laughs> then I got married my junior year. Oh, did you get married while you're still in college? I did. Okay. And uh, my junior year um, was challenging, mm. and being married to my husband made me realize that people were very, very complicated mm. and that I did not want to be <laughs> a mm. counselor okay. of any sort huh. <laughs> or a speaker. Cause huh. Yeah, it was, you were, how do you say that? You were uh, experiencing just other sides of humanity and 
maybe running into a little more complex and broken humans than you had before. Right. Yeah. So you that your first husband, you, you met him in school or? He was my basketball coach. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. You played basketball at Christian Heritage. Yeah. Awesome. You're an athlete, man. Well, you know, if you saw our team. Yeah, yeah. You tell might change that. your mind. It doesn't matter. You play college ball. That's all you have to tell anybody. <laughs> you, yeah, it's all a it sliding was fun. scale. None I of say? us are LeBron James, but it was we all. Fun. There it is. There it is. So he was your basketball coach. Yes. Maybe a couple years older than you were. No. No. no okay. Same age. All right. Um, but I was greatly influenced during that time by what I call a Christian cult. There was mm. a man that worked in the mail room, mm-hmm. and he used to work for Jack LaLanne, mm-hmm. uh, and he used to make his vitamins, and he was obviously into health. Well, from going from Lynchburg eating donuts and drinking Coke for okay. breakfast yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to you know, this other school where I was starting to feel the results of that, um, he was a real draw to me mm-hmm. because he was into health, and he liked to help students. Um, get well. So I became very attracted to him. I joined his little group and um, I just thought he was awesome. And my, Mike, my first husband, mm-hmm. was part of that group. So it just mm-hmm. felt natural to marry somebody that was part of this, even though I did see some signs that maybe mm. it you know, wasn't all that great of an idea. But anyway. And you were pretty young at this point. You're how are you, 20, 21? Right, something? right. Yeah. And so it sounds like life was moving pretty fast. Mm-hmm. So what did life look like after you got married and did you guys settle in in San Diego or? Yes, we did settle in San Diego. Um, my husband took off that year of school uh-huh. so that I could go to school. And then so he, he finished it after. But I, by then I was pregnant. OK. So I had my oldest son and um, my my life actually became rather complicated at that mm, point. Mm. <laughs> uh, my husband was into s- some sin that I mm. didn't really know about, and mm. um, things became very difficult. Um, I became pregnant with my second son, and within a year, mm-hmm. I actually went back home. Yeah. Just to take a break. Yeah. So, this, I mean, that sounds like that happened in, we're talking about a two or three year mm-hmm. period. So right. you go from basketball, Christian, <laughs> psychology major, San Diego, to really two kids and a very complicated marriage where mm-hmm. there's some pain involved. And what, so maybe we should back up and go, where's, can you go back and, and track Jesus through this whole thing? You make a decision for Christ when you were a kid. Sounds like you were pretty sincere in your faith even through college? I would say I came to a point when I was 16 where I really had to decide whether I was going to follow the Lord or not. My two older sisters, I mean, we were all raised in the church. We were all, you know, um, we went along with everything that happened in church. But my two older sisters, they both married guys that were not saved. Mm -hmm. So they introduced me to a guy who's not saved, who's mm-hmm. in the army, mm-hmm. and I started dating him, but I started feeling so convicted at night. I mean, I would toss and turn yeah. when I go to bed at night because I just, you know, knew it was wrong. Yeah. And I just felt like at that point in my life, it was, are you really going to follow God or are you not? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I struggled and struggled with it. And finally, I just broke up with him and that was when I felt like I said okay God yeah you know that I want to follow you and so that experience is at 16 yeah where you you just decide make really a grown-up decision Mm -hmm. whatever the world has I don't want it I want to follow Jesus right Right. um what a great time to make that that sort of decision Mm -hmm. too and so as you look at all of this that's happening in your early 20s as you meet this guy and marry him and life gets very complicated are you able to rely on God? Did you feel distance from God? If that's too deep a question, tell me to shut up. <laughs> now, at that point, you know, I remember reading the Psalms over and over yeah, and over. They we were go. such such a comfort. Yeah. And I, when I came back home, we were, I was 
um, going to back to the Baptist church, which to me was a very lonely time. Mm. People there just did not know how to handle somebody like me. Well, probably, you know. too, you left as this young kind of carefree girl and came back as this right. woman with a lot of pain, sounds mm-hmm. like. Right. And I, I mean, I look back and I totally understand. Yeah. But um, it was also really hard because there were um, very few. Well, there was only there was only one person my age. Yeah. That was a friend actually from growing up there. But it was really a lonely time. Mm. But then a pastor and his wife came. They were young and they had two kids. And then I felt found a lot of comfort because I became friends with them. My kids were the same age as theirs. I would go out, you know, the Baptist church, that the lot, lot below, I would yeah. hang out, the kids would play, yep. and I would talk to um, the wife, and I really found, found a lot of comfort. Right on. With her. Yeah, right so on. Was... So you have two sons at this point. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so take me from from there to what's the next phase look like are you working are you living at home I'm living at home and um, I started doing volunteer work there was a Christian school at the Baptist Church yeah and so they asked me to be the PE teacher okay so I did that and then the pastor talked to me and said I think you should go work at the crisis pregnancy center oh so I went and took the training, and then I worked as a counselor for a while. Right on. And then... Um, Shout out to the CPC. Yeah. Yeah, that was those are good times. And then, um, so five years later, well, I, during that time, I was, I, was on, um, I was receiving welfare. Sure. So at five, my, um, my oldest son was turning, or youngest son was turning five, so I needed to start working, and... Just about that time is when I was downstairs working in my kitchen, and I just felt like the Lord telling me that a man was going to be involved in my life, huh. and that teenagers were going to be in my life. <laughs> yeah, and I went, yes. Okay, good. So you had you had a, a a rough first go, but but still you had a heart to be married and all of that. Right. And so you you've had a sense that teenagers were going to be involved. Correct. Correct. B- before you even met yes, Horace. And... I, d- I did. I thought, you know, foster parenting or something. Okay. So anyway, a month later, I met Horace at church. By then, I was going to Calvary Chapel. And um, within a year, we were married. And those next several years were very, very, very difficult because... Mm. He has three kids, and mm-hmm. I had two kids, just blending those, yep. blending the family together. Actually, that was the least of the problem. Mm. Um, his boys were involved in illegal activities, mm. and really, our household was chaotic. Yeah. So we learned about Tough Love, which is an organization that helps you to get control yeah. of your house, yeah. and we started going to that, huh. and it was very, very helpful during that time just to you know, get some um, sense or bring some sanity into our home. Yeah. And um, I was homeschooling my kids at that time, which was, it was, it was a funny contrast mm. <laughs> between these two kids that were going to community school because they got kicked out of high school uh-huh. and um, my two kids that were homeschooled and I was trying to raise them. But the awesome thing about that. And I, I see that every time I went through a really hard time in my life, God has given me somebody special. Mm. And a friend of mine, um, her husband and her, they, their family had just moved to Pacific Grove because they were supposed to inherit a property and that didn't work out. So they came very depressed. Mm. I was very depressed just trying to struggle with, you know, all the things that were going on in my household. Yeah. And we used to meet constantly. I don't I don't know, we may have met every day. We used to sit behind these huge bushes that were in front of my house and we'd pray huh. and the kids would play and it was just such an amazing time to have that friend. I think I would have gone crazy <laughs> without somebody to talk to yeah. during that time. Yeah. I mean it sounds like you went through a lot of really difficult things, but your heart 
kind of stayed soft towards the Lord. Like it, right. it didn't, oh, no. didn't engender, didn't engender bitterness in you. What's the secret to that? I, I'm sure lots of us would love to know, like, how do you fend off bitterness in the middle of difficult times? Well, I think I would have to say it's, you have to have a relationship, a constant relationship with God. You can't just ignore God. And then when you need help, um, you, you won't just find all that strength. Huh. And my family, my parents were um, so stable and so constant. I mean, I never saw them waver in any way with their faith with God that uh, it just really helped me to get through that difficult time. How great to hear that like you were able to rely on the faith of your folks mm -hmm. even in adulthood. Mm -hmm. And uh and I love uh, so so your encouragement is to have a faithful walk with the Lord before hard times come. Right. Yeah. Right. What's that looked like for you in your life? So there's always been this community aspect of it where you've had a friend or two. Mm -hmm. I I mean it's just kind of tra tracking it. It looks it sounds like you had this this friend in high school that was really encouraging to you that you even saw her become saved and you guys were able to walk together and then you reconnect with her at Christian Heritage mm -hmm. and then there's this pastor's wife in a tough time here and this other friend it sounds like yeah that 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 having a buddy to pray with and console each other has been really important to you absolutely absolutely plus you know when i was a kid there was jacketettes and we learned Bible mm. verses, which, yeah. you know, were really there with me. And then um, I think the sweetest times for me is just studying the Bible. I love, I love to kind of try to put it in um, a poetry form because the way I learn is not the way that's easy for so many other people. Mm. You know, I need some kind of something to grab onto. Hmm. And so that's been really fun, spending time just trying to make it work for me. Okay. And um, So what's that look like? Give me an example of that if you can. Well, for instance, um, right now I'm going through um, First Peter. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was I took, I, I kind of got a big picture of every chapter and I put it in poetry so that I'd remember the main points. And then I drew clip art on the side just to kind of give me a visual yeah and it really helps me to you know remember what verse is in what so chapter. you're you're like looking at first peter one and getting the big idea of it and then writing a poem yeah how I many didn't. poems have you written from chapters of the scriptures you know what i didn't realize this recently oh maybe maybe a year ago i thought you know i'm so tired of not really knowing what where, where you you hear a voice, verse, but what's the context, yep. you know? And so I decided I was going to do this, but I thought, you know, I think I have a binder where I did some of this before, so I opened up this binder, and I couldn't believe it. I probably did it with six different books. Wow. So now I'm just kind of slowly going through what I've done and rethinking if I can improve it. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, that's amazing. That's dozens and dozens of poems. That are, would you say they're like based on the chapter or? Right, right. They're, they're taking the main points yeah. out of a chapter and just, you know, so that you remember it. But it's kind of interesting because I was looking through some of my mom's stuff and I found that she had written poetry. No way. And I went, ah, that's where I got that from. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Well, I love poetry. I would love to read some of that. that that's an amazing, and you know, to me, the thing that, that sounds so wise about that is it's not just the what did I read what does it mean but it's like soaking in it right right it's not it's not just kind of internalizing it only but really letting it like grow in you and expand in you to where it comes out as a beautiful or you know and when you write poetry it's I don't think in a in a in a bad way but it's something you're proud of something that you've Ah, I like that. I like the way this sounds. And well, and some of it's pretty corny. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but you know what? Those too. are the ones I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, what a. I mean, to me, that's like, like you. That what a way to disciple other people too to teach them to do that. 
You know, you're always looking for for tools to because the Bible's this old ancient book. Some of it's very easy to understand, and some of it's very difficult to understand. And and teaching people how to how to process it and how to get into it on their own is hugely challenging. And that sounds like a really neat tool. Well, I have a friend who I showed it to recently, and she has a son who's an artist. Yeah. Because what I I can't draw, so I go to clip art and I'll you know, find a picture, and then I put my paper up on the screen oh, and wow. trace it because okay. I can't draw. But she said, you know what? I want you to finish this. Yeah. And then she said, I want my son to draw it for you because she said it would be really helpful for her. Yeah. So I thought, I don't know. Anytime you're associating things that you love, like a poem or a picture or whatever, to something true is, I mean, that's how people learn. That's how you remember mm-hmm. things. What? So when did you develop that? Has that been something you've always done? I don't even know. I think when I was a single mom and I just wasn't working that, I had a lot of time. And I think that's when I started it. Because I know in high school, I hated poetry. I had no idea what, <laughs> what they were talking about. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I think and another time I started when we were homeschooling, we used to have these harvest parties and I used to make clues okay. for the kids yeah. in poetry. Little rhyming, so, yeah. yeah, so that's, yeah. other than that, I don't really have a long history of it. So I'm still trying to figure out at like the Susan on Dante path to joy in the middle of trials. Cause it sounds like you might be an expert in joy in the middle of trials. It sounds like, like you've continued to have a soft heart for the Lord stayed away from bitterness and have been able to, I mean, I've known you through a lot of uh, at least some of these trials mm-hmm. in your life and you've always been joyful, but not in a, in a, in a fake way, but like where there's actually joy in you, even though you're going through difficult things. So it sounds like that, and not that this is groundbreaking information, but it sounds like a lot of that is just your heart for the word. I would say that it's my heart for the word, but it's also my understanding that trials are really, really good for us. Come on now. I hate them. I mean, my last thing that I, the last thing that I went through with my sickness, yep. that was actually the very worst. I mean, when I think about all the other trials that I've been through, I, I felt, you know, God was with me yeah, and um, I could see him working. This last one, my sister said, you know, you are in a very deep, dark pit. And yeah. I was. You, I, yeah. And it was because um, my mind was being messed with yeah and that was the hardest thing i look back now and i appreciate the fact that now i understand people who are in deep depression Mm. or deal with anxiety it's just you know it's different because i had lots of friends sending me cards saying god loves you you know and giving me verses and it kind of annoyed me yeah it just really annoyed me because my mind was so messed up but or my emotions but all all through it i knew that god was there mm. i would drive to uh um go shopping and the whole way there i just go god help me god help me god yeah. help me. i mean i knew he was there um but i was a little afraid because i have seen people who don't get well yep and i was afraid i thought maybe god sees that I can handle, you know, hard things and he's going to let me go through it. And that was very, very scary for me. Yeah. So maybe scary. you should should tell everybody what exactly that trial was like. Like, Would you be willing to share okay. what yeah. that time of illness was? Okay. Well, what happened is I hurt myself in the nursery and um, I hurt my back and my leg was bothering me. So I went to a chiropractor. I have a history with chiropractors, and I've always had success. But this time, I didn't. Mm. My leg kept hurting, and I would wake up in the middle of the night, and my le- my leg would be shaking and vibrating. And I would get up every night and walk and walk until it stopped. And um, pretty soon, I started, I just started feeling off, like something was wrong with me. So I started going to doctors and... Um, I had hurt myself in the church nursery, so fortunately the church was very helpful um, with their insurance. 
And so I started going to doctor and having this test, another doctor, having another test, and I kept going to doctors and I kept losing weight and I kept feeling sicker and sicker and I kept having um, stomach problems. Mm. And I just was at a point where I just felt like I was going to die. Mm. I just knew I was going to die because mm. nobody was ever going to figure out what was wrong with me. I was just hopeless. Yeah. I really was hopeless. Um, I still knew and trusted that there was hope in death. I was looking mm. forward to it. I, mm. I just wanted to die. Mm. And um, on the other hand, I was feeling very depressed because a lot of people depend upon me. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, you know, I wanted to be there for them. So it was very, very frustrating. Finally, I ended up going to a doctor who recognized that um, I was having um, serious depression, and she gave me some a prescription for some pills, and I did not want to take them. I didn't take them for months because I thought, I was very angry at her. I thought, how yeah. dare she think yeah. that I am mentally, you know, yeah. distraught. Yeah. But finally, I realized that I wasn't getting better and nothing was ever going to change, so I took them. And after five and a half weeks, I suddenly woke up one morning and said, I'm normal. Wow. I'm, I feel great. And um, so then I realized that after probably a month or two that I still was having stomach problems. Uh -huh. So I went to... Um, a lady who's um, called a functional doctor, and she found out the underlying reasons as to why I was having the problems I was having. And at that same time, I went to a wonderful chiropractor who mm. helped set up, you know, he, he, uh, I had an MRI, and they found out I had a bulging disc, mm. and I had a pinched nerve. And so um, he, he took care of that after five visits, and so everything started to come together. Um, and I wanted to get off of those pills. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so she's, the, this lady that I went to said, you know, you can't get off of those pills until we fix the problems. So she found some um, physical problems that I had in my stomach. And um, once my leg was fixed, so then she finally tapered me off of the pills. And, and that was, like, that was a dark hole. Like, it was you a were, very dark hole. It was, it was hard to... To know, so the, a couple of questions for you coming out of, and thank you very much for sharing that story. I mean, for those of us that were praying for you during that time, like it was, it was hard for us. We didn't know what to do, or you know, it's hard to to know what to what even what to say. So the two things, first of all, could you please expand on trials are really good for you? I would love to hear you talk more about that because that's easy to say if you haven't been through a lot, but you've been through some stuff that the world might look at and go, I, I can't see how that's been redeemed. Like, I don't, mm -hmm. how has that been good in any way? And then, um, and then also, could you give us some advice when we have friends that are in those dark holes? And I understand what you say, like th that, like kind flowery card with a verse and whatever can be annoying. Right. And can, <laughs> can feel trite or whatever. So what are the things that would be helpful for friends to do and say? Like, how can the community come mm -hmm. around you um, in a time like that? Okay, well, I'll say, first of all, the reason why I say trials are good, I learn, um, like I said, I have compassion ah, for people come on. Yep. For, that are very depressed. Yep. And... Um, and call and also an understanding too of what can cause depression. That yeah. was very helpful. Yeah. Another thing, I would say at that point in my life, before I hurt myself, I'd, my life was not really how I wanted it to be as far as having time with the Lord, mm. because um, I was taking care of Daniel all the time. Yeah. And you know his parents would go off to work, and Daniel would wake up very early, and my day just start start and yep. and it I never. Never really had time. I mean, at breakfast, I might open my Bible yeah. and read for five minutes, yep. but it just wasn't really what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, I needed for Daniel to go to school. I was supposed yeah. to homeschool him. And like I told you before, I had sent, I had told Paula, you know, that 
I just, I said I was would homeschool them, but for some reason I feel like it's not going to happen. Yeah. And it was perfect for Daniel to go to school. He really needed to go to school because um, he's very bright, but he needed to be, he, he needed to be around some other kids. Yeah. You know, because he and doesn't have. And he's thrived. Have... It's gone well. Yeah. 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 His school's yeah. been good. Yeah. It's, yeah. His teacher's very, very nice. Mm-hmm. And he's done academically very, very well. So, um, so back to those the, are like, the good the, things. The, you're right. So trials have produced compassion in you, have com- produced uh, even wisdom, given you insight into things that you couldn't have understood otherwise. And I and I back to having my mornings free, uh-huh. where I can you know really spend time with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And and it's been nice too for Daniel to have the long ride there and back with his mom. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. <laughs> and it's been really fun for her because um, you know she gets to see a lot yeah. of what's happening, and she's a good friend with the teacher too. So cool. Yes, so that's been a nice gift for her. So God's even kind of used those trials to organize life. Right. In a way right. that is healthy for everybody. Right, right. That's good. And you're feeling pretty much normal? I am. I am. I have a bulging disc, yep. which means that I have to be very careful when I love working in the garden. Uh, I, have to, I have had to learn to, you know, move, sit yeah. different ways yeah. than Lay down. Than I can. <laughs> Full weeds, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've had to kind of change things a little bit. There. So that other question, I think... Every one of us have seen friends, loved ones, people at church that are in a tough place and we don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot about being church family. We believe in being church family, but a lot of it, there's not practically a whole lot that can really be done. So give us some advice for those of us that, that want to help. Like what, what is the right thing to say? If there is a right thing to say, what's the right thing to do? Do you have any insight for that? Well, I kind of laugh because during that time, I saw more of my Christian friends than mm. I have in the last 20 years. Yeah. They were coming out of the woodworks. Mm. I mean, whenever I'd go to school, I'd see, some, I mean, church, um, shop, I'd see yeah. somebody that I hadn't seen forever. But the people that I ran into, they were all very understanding. Mm. None of them, I mean, the ones that really helped me, um, they didn't quote verses. Yeah. They gave. They listened to my story. Yeah. They said, "I'll pray for you." You know. They showed so much confa- con, um, compassion. Yeah. And a lot of them actually had their own health problems, ah. which was very helpful. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Some very serious health problems. And, and that was helpful for you to. Did just, you feel less alone or right? Like, hey, right. we're all kind of in this together. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. But then there was Paula. She was awesome. Mm. Paula used to uh, email me every single day, and she'd say, Susan, let's, can you go for a walk at 2, or can you go for a walk at 9? Yeah. And honestly, I wanted to say no. <laughs> I did not want to be around people. Yeah. I, felt, I felt so stressed and so anxious. Uh, I didn't want to be around anybody. I mean, yeah. I didn't even want to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. But I knew I knew I had to go. Mm. And she would just you know, be there for me, mm. and she would listen to me, and she would share her hard times, mm. and she she wouldn't quote verses, yeah. you know, she just, she just, I mean, now I look back at people who did send me verses, and I think that is so sweet. And yeah, they're doing you know, the I best. Mean, I yeah. knew that they loved me. That yeah. was important. They, I knew that they loved me, but um, she was amazing. She was absolutely amazing. She mm. was there for, there for me, and uh, I could tell her, anything i could ask her how should i kill myself <laughs> oh geez <laughs> and and we would discuss it i mean it was helpful just because oh, i had man. these feelings and i certainly couldn't tell my husband sure because he would have yeah called the cops yeah <laughs> told him to put me someplace safe yeah but i could you know i could talk about anything yeah and she was a faithful friend she was amazing and i mean my husband was he was amazing too he was there for me but Honestly, he was so he could he could feel my stress. It's hard, and it was with his health problems. I thought I am going to kill him. Yeah, I am really going to kill him. He'd walk, ask me every morning. He'd say, "How are you doing today?" And I'd say, "I am insane. Yeah. I am insane." And yeah. I would pace back in front of him and say, "I feel like 
I, I, I can't stand this. I feel like I'm in a cage. I'm going crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and he'd just lay there and go, I don't know what to do. Yeah, what do you do? Yeah. So. Yeah. But my whole family was very supportive. Jared took me to all the doctor's appointments. Yeah. And, you, know, you know, I'd be sitting there in the car, and he'd look at me and go, Mom, breathe. Yeah, just breathe. <laughs> I was yeah. so stressed. Breathe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. he was very helpful. Well, that... I mean, that's, um, you know, we like to talk about what gives you hope uh, as we wrap these up. And it sounds like like it was um, it was people, people close to you, people in your family, people in your Mm -hmm. church family that were able to to demonstrate hope for you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The body being there. Yeah. Well, you sure are a light of hope around here and we sure love you a lot. And and you know appreciate you being really even letting us walk through that time with you you know i i so appreciated how you didn't like a lot of people i think have a have a a a dark time like that and they pull away so completely that it's impossible to help but i remember you still just kind of staying engaged and keeping us updated and and um you know that shared shared sorrow is half a sorrow kind of thing it was it's it was um you know wonderful to to watch you come out of that dark hole and, and find help. And, and it's good to see you smile. <laughs> you, you have a wonderful smile and it's good to see it on you. So well, I, I, I so appreciate all of you being here. I, yeah. I know PJ, she called me and told mm, me, mm. she told me how we had hired somebody for the nursery and mm. now I could teach. And uh-huh. I said, no, no you don't yeah. get it. I'm <laughs> going to be right. dead. I'm That's not going right. I'm going yeah. to, I'm dying, PJ. Yeah. I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But everybody hung in there with me. I really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Even, uh, you know, I couldn't even work in the nursery. I mean, I was so stressed. But people would come out of the service yeah. and walk with me and hug me. I mean, it was really special. Yeah. Very special time. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much for coming in, Susan. Oh, you're welcome. That is a, a profound story of God faithfully walking through all the ups and downs of life with you. And it's a, it's an honor to hear you tell it. So thank you very much. Well, you're welcome. God yeah. is faithful. No Amen. doubt about it. <laughs> Amen. All right, Lighthouse. That's, uh, oh, I've, you know, Pat, I, I need to start saying at the end of all these, our uh, buffer music written by Patrick Hawks, <laughs> who also edits and produces the podcast, is on the levers and knobs. Susan Andante, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> you're welcome.